severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello, I'm Jamie McKinley and welcome to episode 108 of Just Get A Real Job Podcast. Thank you as always for listening. If this is your first time listening as well, welcome to the podcast. I just want to say as well, massive thank you to everyone who has been sharing the posters for our upcoming live podcasts. If this is your first time hearing about it as well, just a reminder that we are returning to the Edinburgh Fringe this month. We're doing two special live shows on the 15th and the 22nd of August at the Southsider Side Lounge at 8.15. We did the free fringe last year, we did free live shows and they were such good fun and it's I'm really excited to be back doing it again. You know, like, I'm really excited. We announced the guests this weekend, so... On the first show, Tuesday the 15th, we're going to be joined by the amazing Kate Hammer, who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago. Go and check the episode out if you haven't yet. And another amazing stand-up called Prior Hall, who, and they both have French shows on as well, but this episode will all be about getting into stand-up and the sort of world of comedy. It'll be a bit of a deep dive, and Prior is a bit more experienced than Kate in her stand-up career as well, so a bit like last year's live show when we had Brown Bear and Sylvie on, which was about music, it'll be quite a good range of different experience levels and different insights and stuff into the world of comedy, so I'm really excited for it, and that'll be a cracking episode. And then the week after, we are going to be joined by an amazing Scottish band called Dictator, who of course we've had on the podcast before as well. We had their lead guitarist Zach on the podcast last February and Dictator have been on an amazing journey since then so it's going to be great to have them back on so that'll be more of an in conversation episode live with Dictator so that's on the 15th and the 22nd of August at 8.15 in the Southside Side Lounge it's going to be a free show it's with the PBH Free Fringe again thank you to them for having us back but obviously we'll be running a bucket and stuff so if you come along you're welcome to donate but please come along please come and fill the room it's going to be an amazing thing for us again so if you're in Edinburgh we'd love to see you there anyhow speaking to us for episode 108 of Just Get A Real Job we are joined this week by the brilliant Gary J. Hewitt and Gary of course runs a podcast called Choose Film which I appeared on a number of years ago now which is crazy because it's went so fast and Gary used to run this podcast with Rebecca Riddle who of course has been on this podcast many times a familiar guest he has a new host now but yeah we'd been trying to organize this podcast with Gary for a long time so it was lovely to finally sit down and record a podcast with him Gary is a filmmaker, a writer. He works for an amazing organisation called GMAC as well. Of course, he does choose film podcasts. He also runs his own film festival. So he's a very busy man. It's lovely to have him on the podcast and chat about what he gets up to, his insights, his career to date, etc. We had a really nice conversation. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. But here we go. Here's episode 108 of Just Get A Real Job with filmmaker Gary J. Hewitt. Gary, it's lovely to have you on Just Get A Real Job, finally. I know we've been discussed this, I think, for like maybe two years, which is ridiculous on my part. We've both been very busy, but I mean, obviously it was on your podcast, Choose Film, like April 2021, which is quite insane to say out loud, but how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that seemed like so long ago now. And I've even got a new host with me on Choose Film. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've been I've been very excited to come on. Like I've just seen like so many 
guests who I know some that I don't and just to hear like you know their stories and that it's been it's been really nice and like inspiring as well and funny yeah some of them have been really funny as well it's a weird one because like we sort of I think Choose Film started like a month before this one so I've always sort of it's been really nice to sort of see them continue on for so long like you know nearly three years coming up which is mad um how many episodes have you done I think this 107 maybe 108 Uh, mental you're definitely ahead of us now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, it's you know yourself how much work it is to run a podcast, especially in the way we do on top of full-time work and independently yeah. without any money, etc. Like, you know, it's an amazing achievement to just do it so consistently from both of us, to be honest. And it's for us as well, like the whole reason was we love film so much. So that's why we decided to do that podcast. But see when it's like I'm having to watch a film for the podcast rather than being excited. It's like you need to try and get your like snap out of that, you know, be excited to go on and talk about it. I was gonna say because obviously I'm I'm a bit luckier in the sense that I can just go on Google for half an hour and have a wee bit of research for the guest, etc. Often like yourself, I kind of already know them. So you have to maybe watch a whole, you know, three hour Kubrick blockbuster or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot more work involved for your podcast on top of all the other admin. Totally, totally. But you'll you'll notice this is a little secret. If I am absolutely shattered, we allow the guests to talk a lot more because they've picked the film. So they should actually know it more than us. <laughs> no, it's a good it's a good tip to have. I mean, often I rely on that. You know what I mean? The guest is, you know, their voice is more important than mine. That's why I always try to, to say, etc. But Gary, you're a screenwriter, director, you, you work at GMAC obviously as well. You run a film festival. You'd made a few features on like a very impressive budget considering how small it was etc like you've sort of been in the Scottish industry for a a long time and are very connected so you're a great person for us to have on but you just want to quickly sort of introduce yourself a bit more than I have yeah I mean yeah as you said I've been working in and out the industry for the best part of 10 years now I started off like as most people do like doing run running work so I would work for Big Brother X Factor <laughs> Davina McCall's Got to Dance do you remember that no most people don't when no, I say I it but that was basically like a dance version of the X Factor and yeah then I was making my own short films then as well been in and out of GMAC as a guest as an attendee I worked on various like live performance stuff so like BBC's Good Food Show different just different jobs and then I landed my first full-time job around about 2017 2018 as a casting assistant and I kind of hated it and it was nothing against the company I worked for they were all really nice but I hated it simply because I'm not a 95 type person. Like I know this industry is not a 95 industry, but you know, when you close your laptop for the day or whatever to go and enjoy your evening, you kind of don't want to be disturbed. But I was like out for dinner, getting calls to have to cast people the next day. Like, you know, I was in like some sort Mm. of like fancy ass restaurant, you know, with my partner. Then it's like, sorry, I need to get the laptop out and cast 50 people for tomorrow. So I was just like, oh, this is crazy. And then, um, I decided that I can't stay in a job that I hate so much when I've been trying to make a career of this industry for so long. So I started then speaking to GMAC Film. They were hiring, applied there, didn't get the job that I was looking for, but they kind of, I guess, were impressed with me somehow. I don't know why. (laughs) And they gave me a job at GMAC and 
I have been there for nearly nearly five years. And I guess like GMAC is like a charity. So we teach up and coming filmmakers about the industry. We also help people from underrepresented backgrounds, as well as putting on different events and that for like indie filmmakers. And yeah, and I make my own kind of films as well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> yeah. it. It'd be very busy. But I think What's great, Gary, is that on on this podcast, what a lot of our guests tend to be working creatives in the sense that they, they're, they're doing so many different things and they're making a living, but they're also making stuff. And they're also, you know, so you're such a good example of what they have. You know, it's like that for a lot of people because you're working at GMAC, then you're, you know, imagine you're coming home, you're recording podcasts, you're writing scripts, like you're getting stuff shot in your own spare time. So I mean, you must be very busy. So it is very hard. Like I know that from my experience as well. But it's a it's a good example of someone that you know. You're not. It's not straightforward. Like you don't just have a job. That's it. Do you know what I mean, it's very. It's very yeah. fluid. Like the casting job as well. Like like that was such good money as well. And so like in regards to money, I was like so happy. Like I was like, oh yeah, raking it in. Like, but I was also going home extremely exhausted. And therefore I was like, well, now I've not got that spark, that creativity to go and work on my own stuff. So it's it's trying to find that balance. And if any creators can like find that balance of, you know, a job that can help them survive while they, you know, try and work out their, their part in this creative industry, but also they can still come home at night and have enough energy to express themselves with whatever it is they, they're doing. Mm. No, for 100%. I mean, that's a very important thing. Like before I got into sort of my job in telly, and, which, you know, I've much more enjoyed than my old jobs in the, the real world, etc. I remember that being like an important thing. Like I didn't ever want to have a part-time job or a full-time job where I didn't have time to create. So I always, that's my advice to people. I'm like, if you can try and get like a little job that allows you the time and energy to, you know, still create stuff your spare time I know that's not very possible and especially at the moment it's horrendous like the cost of living crisis etc but it it does really help but what Um, I would say as well as I think it's about trying to find that time to be creative as well like you know if, if you're not a driver for instance and you need to commute like bus train to that that job that you're going to what are you doing? Are you like scrolling on Facebook and Instagram or mm. are you writing or are you taking notes, you know, or even with like, I remember I worked in JD Sports and we had to like, when there was shoes missing on the wall because we'd sold the ones off display, we had to get a list and like write down all the shoes and give it to the, the stockroom people. And I would just walk about with a list and people would think, oh, you must be taking like notes of all the shoes that are missing. I was writing down stories and ideas like on the <laughs> shop floor. Now I'm not telling everyone to go and skive, but you know, like find those ways to to stay creative you know if yeah. you're even in like jd i was told to watch the front door and yeah i was just standing at the front door but my mind was not thinking about security to be honest it was thinking about oh i need to write that idea when i go home or i need to plan for this mm. shoot or or whatever you know so it's about that mentality i think as well yeah work smart not hard you know what i mean that's that's yes. <laughs> that's my motto but gary just to cast your mind back further afield do you remember like your earliest sort of creative memories do you remember when you first thought I'm kind of interested in maybe doing something that's creative. I mean, most people obviously don't even think about that consciously, but what what, what was it for you? Yeah, I think I do. It was actually nothing film and TV related because I didn't actually even understand that there was, you know, a career existed in that. I thought it was just famous people that worked in film and TV and and that was it. I never realised that that could happen. So when I was really young, like I'm talking about like 13, 14, I used to want to be the person that, and I didn't realise it was a critic at this point, but I, I wanted to be the person that wrote what the film was about on the back of DVD covers. So I thought it was just like one person, you know, that you, you know when you go to HMV and you read the back of a DVD, I thought it was just someone that did all that. 
And I wanted that job. I wanted just to sit and watch films and write what they're about. But even before that, I would say my earliest memories of wanting to be creative or learning to be creative are actually uh, through my grandpa. He taught me to sketch and trace and like draw. He actually taught me that see if you take your thumb and you draw around your thumb and add a nose at your nail and an eye like at your knuckle, mm. it kind of creates the head of a dog. Like So that was the first thing I remember actually learning what to draw, basically. And actually my production company, Hewitt and Bryce, is in memory of him. So Hewitt is obviously me and Bryce was my grandpa's surname. So that's kind of my dedication because he he taught me to stay creative and, and be creative. It sounds like a lawyer firm, doesn't it, though? Like I, I always actually always meant to ask who, who Bryce was. Like, do you have a partner yeah. or something? I'd no, no. It's a, yeah, everyone thinks it's some sort of silent partner that's funding me I wish um, <laughs> but yeah um, it's just it's just a dedication to to my grandpa actually so that's probably where I first became creative mm. you would think it would help me with my storyboarding but no it's just my storyboards are actually almost just one level higher than like stick men <laughs> but other than that I was at high school and we started getting some like free periods as well and you could pick these random classes and one of them was media and we just got to sit and watch Frasier all day, Channel 4's Frasier. And then now and again, they would give us this little camcorder to take out and try and use. And this was, do you remember when Happy Slap was a thing? Am I showing my age? Remind me, remind me. You're slightly, you're, not, you're a little bit older than me, but yeah, not, so, not a huge amount. I mean, it technically was a form of bullying, so I'm not going to condone it. Right. But basically, ha- okay. yeah, where someone would film and someone would run up the back and slap the person on the head and you would try and catch it on camera. I do recall, I do recall. And we basically made a dramatised version of that in media. <laughs> so the person knew they were going to get slapped and things. But we actually got taken into the, the kind of like head teacher's place for, for bullying. And we're like, no, no, it's fake. She's like, okay, it's quite a good shot then. And then from there, I learned that you could study media at college. And then when I went to college, I realized that you could actually, you know, study filmmaking. So it, was, it wasn't until I was like near enough 18, 19 that I realized that you could actually have a, a career in filmmaking. Yeah. But it all started from those two kind of angles, I guess. It's so common with so many guests on this podcast, especially people that maybe grew up somewhere like Scotland or more from a more working class background that they, they talk about being at school and they're like, I kind of like this thing, but. Just the idea that you could have a career in it, it's yeah. just, it never said it never seemed possible. It was the same for me. It's like it just never. You know what I mean? If you had that ambition, people it would sort of almost feel like a a totally outlandish fantasy or something. Which I mean, I hope that I, I'm sure that's probably still the case now because it's such an inaccessible industry and it. I think it's a yeah. shame because we should all know from a young age, and that's what obviously GMAC does a great job of, of sort of yeah. showing people that for as a good example. I think it's because Hollywood basically, well, America, I guess, or most of America, like, will die. No, that's not the right word. But basically, they thrive on film and TV. Like, that industry, you know, like so many people in, like, say, California and that will probably end up in some sort of job that evolves around the film industry. So America needs the film industry to survive, whereas here we don't realise that we do. You know, it's all through government funding. So it's like the government in Hollywood don't own that industry, but here it almost does. You know, you need to apply to like Creative Scotland or Creative England, BFI, which is all kind of government money in a way. So I think that's where it becomes kind of less common. We ha- we don't know about it as much. But I think that might all change, not to go into it all just now, but with like AI being a thing, I think... Mm. the future of filmmaking could possibly be 
two different sectors. So it'd be like AI-led films, you know, like you're, you'll see in 20 years, your Marvel-type films will be like AI and stuff. And then you'll have these independent filmmakers that will be making raw films with cameras, with actors, with crew. And it'll be like when the regular person goes to the cinema, it'll be like, are we going to go see an AI-type film? Or are we going to go and see a person's mm. film? Which might then give more people a chance because they can be more creative and don't need to abide by the Hollywood formula as well. But that's way off topic, sorry. <laughs> no, I just AI is like it's come up a few times recently on the podcast. It's creeping in more and more. I mean, we might we there might not even be podcasts in 10 years. It might, you know, have enough of our voices. Not that I'm I i do not know if enough people would want to clone our voices, though. I don't know about that. I don't know. But do you mean not, it's not a, my voice anyway? <laughs> <laughs> but it is quite scary. It is a weird time. I, I'm trying to not also be too you know, the hysteria around stuff like new technology as well. You know, what you're saying it almost yeah. sounds a bit more positive than some yeah, other like. I think we need to embrace it, but embrace it carefully, you know, don't just rush ahead. I mean, I, th- I think it could be used in really good ways, but at the same time, we need to get, you know, the facts and the union rules and, and all that jazz sorted out yeah. first. But I, I don't think it's something to to be scared of because we've been using it already in a way, like, you know, yeah. like people who first pick up a camera might turn on, like, autofocus and in a way, that's a form of technology that they're using to assist already. It's just that the, the jump has been so fast that I think that's what yeah. is scaring people. And it has kind of scared me myself, but I'm trying to look at how, how the industry might work. Yeah. In the yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I'm trying to sort of find ways to use it in a way that, because for example, I'm dyslexic and it's a really good fucking spell checker. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it really is better than any spell checker I've ever used. But at the totally. same time, yeah, like anything, there's pros and cons, etc. And obviously, at the time we're speaking, the writers in America and the actors in America are striking. So yeah. it's, you know, it's yeah. a scary time and we need to see what happens. I think it's like, I think as, as and this isn't just creatives, but everyone, I think before you use AI, like make sure you're not, as, as a someone you can speak to that could help you do that before you do it. So for instance, I was teaching a screenwriting course and AI came up, should we use it to write scripts? And I was like, well, no, because that's what they're all sh- striking about just now. So like stay away from that. And then we got onto like pitch decks and trying to sell your script. And someone went, well, can I use it for concept art, for instance? And I went, well, you can, but where are, where's your models? Because you could also go to a concept artist and ask them to work with you to, to get this. So yeah, you might be trying to keep your industry safe, but by using it, are you destroying someone else's and that's i think mm. what we need to think about 100 i feel like i'm like preaching and i don't need to be but <laughs> no i think it's important to have these conversations now especially at the start of the new you know that this week's guest in the podcast i mean depending on when this episode goes out it could be a few weeks ago but yeah. we had a conversation she was she was saying something really similar about just you know we're, we're standing on the precipice of a, a new frontier and it is interesting and we do have to sort of have those thoughts now when we engage with it like am i putting someone else out of business by making my life slightly do you know what I mean you have to it's yeah. worth thinking about it um because it's human instinct to make things easier you know what I mean uh-huh. oh I've saved myself a few days you know what I mean but that that like, I understand it but at the same time just trying to be more conscious but Gary another question we always ask on the podcast is about where people are from we'd sort of touched on this a wee bit with your school chat but how is where you're from influenced you as a creative and, and where are you from exactly yeah so I'm obviously Glasgow south side but when I say south side it was like Govan, Cardonald, Penalee so I was I was a scheme lad I guess hmm. and I still kind of am like I'm only maybe 10-15 minute walk from where I originally grew up so yeah if you if you know what I'm next to like kind of Bell Houston Park-ish area don't want any stalkers so that's all we're Giving away, getting on. But yeah, I came from a family that didn't have much money. Technically, we still don't. So we didn't get out 
as much as what we wanted, I guess. You know, like we weren't, you know, on trips. We weren't like, you know, going abroad all the time or anything like that. So I think that's where the the drawing and the sketching and stuff like that came from. We had to entertain ourselves quite a lot. Yeah. I'm not saying my mum wasn't there or anything like that, my mum and dad, but we just we just knew how to have fun and entertain ourselves. But it was a real treat when for me anyway, it was a real treat when we got to stay with like our aunties and cousins and uncles and stuff like that. I loved that, you know, interacting yeah. with other people. But I used to get proper excited as well when I got to stay at my Uncle Peter's because he loved to draw and sketch and he would sometimes go over to my house and he would like, I had a really narrow bedroom and on one of the narrow walls, he drew this picture of Lara Croft from Tomb Raider, like breaking through the wall. I was like, proper cool stuff uh, so he was really into the same stuff that my grandpa got me into he was my grandpa's son funnily enough as well but he also loved horror films so he let me go over and I was like 9, 10, 11 and watch all these mental 80s horror films like the first time I seen A Nightmare on M Street was when I was like 10 years old so I think creatively as well if you look at like the stuff I work on now quite a lot of it is either it's quite dark it can be like horror sci-fi or thriller my partner Karen's always saying, when are you going to write and do something cheery? <laughs> you know, so yeah, so I think what I watched and who I was hanging about with really influenced my kind of career path in a way. Like they basically told me to be imaginative and, but it was also sometimes a lot of dark content I watched as well. But in relationship to like my neighbourhood and being Scottish and stuff, um, they say like, write what you know and write stories that you know. And I get that. And I think I, do do that but not as much as like going right something about the scheme that I grew up in or the people that are surrounded me I like to like watch but also make film and tv stuff that is an escape from the real world you know so that's where like mm. one of my shorts was about a witch or one was about an android you know but it was centered in very grounded stories so the one about the witch is actually about an affair like just a love triangle the one about an android is just basically questioning what it means to be human and so things like that as well. So it's kind of fantastical stuff, but very grounded as well. But I also think, you know, like where you grow up and what you're given in life can kind of make or break you when it comes to being creative as well. Like all my family, aunties, uncles, even brothers and sisters, if not have sisters, even brothers and stuff and cousins, for the most part, we've all been like quite working class, you know, so get a real job type things. Mm. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> But that kind of, not that I want to be better than my family, but it pushed me to like strive for a wee bit more. And I don't mind saying this on, on it, but I remember I went and met my dad for dinner. I must have been about 20, 21. And I just met his, his new partner. We all went out for dinner and stuff. And she asked me what I did. And I said, oh, I'm Gary and I'm a filmmaker. And my dad, not thinking about the effect of the time, he's, he kind of went, oh, I'm Gary and I'm a filmmaker. Like really sarky. And I was like, in my head, I was like, you dick, if I can't get my own dad to believe in me, like, how mm. can I get anyone else? So, but again, that gave me, you know, the drive to to try and keep going in this industry, you know, and, and kind of prove people wrong. Like, you meant no offence of it, but now I think he understands that it did give me drive. Sorry, I ranted on again there, but... No, 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 no. I'm just nodding along because it's like, I think, it, again, though, it's that working class mentality thing, because 
those comments like aren't meant by any and then although they can as you say in a way they maybe do make you feel a bit like oh you don't believe in me type thing but i you can kind of understand why people say that as well because it's like they just don't and they don't see that as a viable path and uh, you know it's all about safety and survival and it's like well you know and i think as well in scotland and we'd had a lot of irish guests on and they said similar it's like this idea of notions and like you know oh don't get an idea above your station who do you think you are as well it's like there's a bit of that as well so i think we'd all experienced similar things which again is why this podcast is called what it is etc but thank you you for sharing that story don't you think it's funny as well though like and and like there's this mentality of like as you said go get a real job but for the most part, all these creatives have got a real job, as we said earlier. It's just that they're also got this other thing that they're itching away at, you know, mm. like they've got this real job, as we said, to, you know, survive. So we're actually going above and beyond to 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 make it work. It's not as if we're just, you know, like kind of slumming it, or just sitting in our house, like trying to write <laughs> scripts or whatever else. So it's like we're going out and doing the 30 to 40 hour weeks and then coming home and, you know, plodding away or whatever it is that we're, we're trying to do creatively. A hundred percent. I know that it's, it's pretty much to be a creative and to be a successful creative, especially. Yeah, you just have to work all the time almost, which isn't necessarily yeah. good or bad for me. You're constantly working. But the other quick thing to just say as well is that the creative arts are really good for the economy, which I never get why like yeah. conservatives or whatever don't, you know, why do, why do they not get behind it? But it's so good for the economy. Like, you know, what I mean, film and TV and all these industries bring in so much money. Totally. Um, I read somewhere and this was a few years ago, so I could be wrong. So nobody shut me down. But supposedly in Scotland, the three biggest industries is whiskey, oil, and the film industry right now, or whatever it was I read it. But and I was like, yeah, it just shows you that. But I think the difference is why it's hard is there's maybe like all these big Hollywood productions coming to Scotland making this, but it's not exactly going into fund our filmmakers and that's maybe a slight problem but yeah for sure it's it's similar to the fringe right the fringe is an amazing economic thing for scotland that brings in a lot of money but a lot of the people coming to put on their shows they're not from scotland you know we're speaking about this with a few guests because obviously the fringe is coming up when we're chatting it's i think it starts today actually there you go you know it's a lot of amazing it's an amazing thing and it's an amazing thing to exist but it's so difficult for even local artists to have you know, their work showing, etc., yeah. in their own city or their own country, etc. So it's another good example of that. It's the um, same with something like, sorry to go off topic slightly, but if you look at, you know, you get these small towns and they'll do stuff like the food and drink festival, for instance, right? And you'll go and there'll be lots of stalls, but the price of each stall is absolutely like extortionate. So it's people from elsewhere that come and take those stalls. And then the people that are local can't show their produce at these stalls because it's too expensive but then like that restaurant or whatever it is has no customers because they're all at the food and drink festival so it can actually be bad for the local businesses as well so it's kind of the same sort of thing but yeah it's 100% no it's they're all very very interesting some great tangents so far (laughs) but Gary do you have a favourite word and phrase from the Glasgow South Side I don't know if it's quite from the Glasgow South Side but we're very sarcastic especially just all over Scotland. And I love a little bit of sarcasm. So one thing that really gets me excited is when someone else is really excited to tell you something and they get a response of, is it I? And it's so flat. And it's not to bring them down. It just gets such a great reaction. And if it's not that, it's when someone bigs something up. So let's say they've seen a new film. Let's say they went and seen Oppenheimer and they're like, oh, it's amazing. The sound design, the cinematography, the acting. By the way, I really love Oppenheimer. And Mate, then, oh, it's amazing. I love it. Uh, but someone's really bigging something up like that. And then someone in the background goes, oh, it's all right. 
you know, and just brings the level back down. Because I think we, we are too scared to get too excited about something. So we always do this kind of, it's all right. So I do I do like that. Like if someone was to go, oh, you should listen to Gary's Choose Film podcast. It's really good, blah, blah, blah. I may be sitting there going, it's all right. Because we don't like to big ourselves up too much. So <laughs> I think that's it. It's all right. <laughs> Do you, this is actually just made me think of this guy because I obviously don't speak to many people that have a podcast in the same way we do, which is surprising because I know everyone does have a podcast, but I actually yeah. don't think that many people really, you know, if we're taking the population, you know, I don't meet that many people that have podcasts, but whenever I'll try not to bring it up not, like organically in a conversation, unless it comes up organically, I should say, I never just like go, oh, um, you know, blah, blah, but I always find it really sort of awkward when someone goes oh Jamie does this podcast and then people yeah I don't know why I find it just so weird people are like oh what? you know what I mean it's just yeah for some reason it just I feel also like such a wanker talking about the podcast which is bizarre because it's something I love and I'm so passionate about I, I think that's just creatives through and through like we kind of it's like that imposter syndrome isn't it we just mm. don't like it so yeah I get it with the podcast or oh Gary's got a new film out or have you seen this or that and I'll be there and I'll be like, yeah, I'll be like, yeah, it's all right. You know, it's that kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Because you don't, you don't want to talk about yourself, you know, unless, yeah. unless there's a reason to like, unless it's something to do with topics, you know, if some, if he's, it'd be different if the conversation in a room was about podcasts yeah, and somebody yeah. went, oh, Jamie does a podcast. You're like, oh yeah, I do. It's this. But when someone just throws a spotlight on you, you're like, I don't know how to, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to react to that. I I remember seeing a tweet once and it's all stuck with me but it was like 97% of having a podcast is telling people that you're not a wanker and the other 3% is talking about the podcast and I think that's so accurate yeah do you know I got for my Christmas this new mug and it just says on it podcast wanker and I could relate to it so much you know (laughs) it's got that connotation yeah yeah but it's fine. Screw the haters. Gary, I wanted to ask you about your, well, your first feature film and your current feature film, which, you you know, it's, I know it's not. I think the, the trailer's out today, isn't it? The film yes. Defender. Yeah, yeah, it dropped 20 minutes before I came on, onto this podcast. Amazing. Well, that's so very exciting. We'll, we'll maybe start with, it's, it's Cleek, isn't it? It's called the original film. Have I said the yeah. name wrong? Yeah. But no, right, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. that was a couple of years back. But like, what I want to sort of ask you about, as well as the films themselves, is like you you're making feature films on a really impressive budget. And I've I've seen the Defender, I haven't seen Cleek, but the thing that stood out with the Defender was it was it looked amazing. And considering the budget involved, like it just it didn't feel like a really really super low budget film. So mm-hmm. my first sort of question about both of them is how how do you manage to do that for people listening that want to make a film on like a very small budget? Yeah, I, I was I was speaking to a friend the other day actually about this, and I think what you need to start with, and I guess this can work across many creative outlets. You know, whatever you're working on, whether it be a film or a novel, a new song, whatever, is what's your expectation and what you want to do with it, and I think that's where you kind of need to start so yeah I did click I think I, I mean the idea started maybe nine years ago and I got a team together and I was like look I, I kind of want to try and make this feature film I said and I just gave them the script right away and I went if you want to be part of it come and speak to me if you don't that's cool you can say no and I've learned a lot since doing click and I invested that into the short films after it and then and then the defender but what I would say is work out like manage expectations so I never turn around to any casting crew and went it's going to be an Oscar don't worry about it and the goal at that point was actually just to get a distribution deal that's that's the main goal so we made the film we did the festival run and yeah we got a distribution deal then so for me 
I could walk away happy, you know, see if we don't make mm. any money off of it. I got my name out there to make a feature that is marketable because a distribution company took the rights for it. And I was even sitting just scrolling on the bus, funnily enough, even though I said you should be writing and stuff. But I was scrolling on uh, Facebook Reels or Instagram. And the trailer for this film that I made like so long ago came up because the distribution company were like pimping it out on Apple TV. And it's just like, you go, oh, that's where it was. And so they must still be finding ways to market that, you know. And then when it came to, we did a short film after it called Mia. And the whole point of that to like manage expectations was it was all about the festival run and we need to win a few festivals and up all our reputations as filmmakers, whether you're an actor, sound designer, cinematographer. And then the same team that did Mia, for the most part, were the same team that went on to The Defender. And with that point, it was, right, I managed to do Cleek with a different cast and crew. We're now doing The Defender with the same crew as Mia. What is the point of making this? And it was, again, for me personally, it was to get a distribution deal, a better one this time, and it can't just end up on, like, Amazon Prime, you know? Yeah. Like, not that there's anything on Amazon Prime, there's a lot of content on there that's good, but you can literally just upload your own stuff to it now. So it's, it's for me, it's oversaturated. So, yeah, it's about why you do it rather than just go out and make a feature, if that makes sense. And then with, like, the budget and stuff, it's about trying to do as much as you can f- with no money as well so Mm. for instance we spent a lot of time trying to get locations like tightened down without spending anything so there's a big warehouse in it we went and wrecked a lot of warehouses spoke to the owners of them explained who we are like what we're doing and could we use some space same with like there's a great big house in it we just spoke to the casting crew went right who knows somebody with the biggest house can we go and speak to them you know and it's about being hungry for it i remember when we did mia the producer diane we're looking for like an old farmhouse and Diane's taking me to all these farmhouses I'm like these are too run down Diane these are are too far gone and then we're just going down these back country roads in Eaglesham and I went something like that and I just pointed to this random farmhouse and Diane was like oh I know the owners and we just went knocked on the door and went can we film here and they're like yep sure and you know so it's about just being brave I think to get some stuff and I guess for me it's trying to build a, a good enough reputation that the actors that want to come and work with you and the, the filmmakers, the crew, have got faith in you that you can have a good outcome with the projects you're working on. So they, you need people to put a lot of faith in you. I think that's it. And be a team player. And that was really, yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I think what I was going to say was obviously I came to the Defender industry screening a few weeks ago. Yeah, thank you very much for the invite. It was very kind. And it was, you know, it was lovely because a lot of the team were there and it was interesting to see there was a QA after it. It was interesting to see how you all work together and stuff. But like that must be such an important process of making the film is the that core team and the I mean all the crew's all important, but that particularly that core team must be really important, especially on such a micro budget. Yeah, it was like 12 hour days. So the you know, sometimes it's slightly longer. So the, the team really had to bond and, and get on with each other. And we shot basically we shot over July, a bulk of it was in July. So what we did was we basically, because a lot of we're saying that a lot of creatives have to have these other jobs to help them survive in that. So the main core team, we went, look, can you give us a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? And that's nine straight days in the bag. And they committed to that. So what we did was the weekend before that, we did another two days filming to see if there was going to be any friction with anyone. And then we could like fine tune that if there was, which there wasn't for like the most part. Everyone got on, you know. I think for the main core team, at least one day, there was like a slightly mental breakdown, me included. And then you kind of just go and apologise and get back to it. So yeah, the, the bulk of it was shot in July. There was some scenes in a warehouse 
and there was a fight scene in that warehouse. And because we were filming just after COVID, we couldn't do the fight scenes just because you couldn't get close to anyone. So we had to delay that to August, which meant between filming the main block in August, we could then rehearse the fight scenes. Mm. And then we just filmed everything that was set in that same location in August. And then the main character lives in a caravan. So we had to wait till September because we didn't want to film in a caravan park in the middle of summer because it'd be just the place would be mobbed Mm -hmm. so it was just about kind of planning that out i would quite often go with steve the dop to these locations beforehand and the producer and just map out like you know we could check to make sure we could get the shots check that everything was kind of going to work from my point of view from his from the producers and a lot of time was just spent in pre-production as well so that when we got on set we knew exactly what Mm -hmm. we're doing there was about and I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think we did roughly 15 days of rehearsals as well. And because we'd already went and looked at the locations, when it got to doing rehearsals, I would map out the room that we're using, the studio space. I would map it out with tape and chairs so that the actors were confined to the same shape of yeah. room that locations were going to be in. So as when they got on location, they felt comfortable. Yeah. There's so much goes into it. Like especially I remember in the QA you were talking about even having to like, you know, some scenes just like, oh, we need to reshoot that because it didn't look good in this location, etc. as well. So there's like yeah. a lot, a lot to it. What what was the most challenging aspect of not just making the defender, but like in general, if you're in your sort of filmmaking career, what's the most challenging thing been for you? It's I mean, I'll give you the boring answer, then I'll give you another answer. The boring <laughs> answer is funding. I just don't think there's enough funding in Scotland for people to be as creative as what they, they want to be. That's probably the real boring answer. And other than that, I would probably say that making a film, you're relying on, let's be honest, minimum 10 people to get their job right at the right time on time and for them to be happy with it as well so you know you have like the cinematographer but you'll also have the gaffer who's lighting it you have the focus puller to try and keep it in focus you've got the makeup artist the hairstylist costume designer coming in to make sure the costume sits then production design and just one thing can go wrong and therefore you need to reset and then time becomes the second issue so i'd say money and time you know and then just as i said earlier like if these things go wrong People are putting their faith in you as the director to make sure you can get it back on track and it's still going to look good even if you start taking shortcuts as well. So I think you need to be always adaptable and thinking on your feet. So, for yeah. instance, the scenes in the warehouse, right next door to the warehouse, there was this dirt bike track. Yeah. And we were guaranteed that there was going to be no dirt bikes on the Sunday. So we agreed to do a 12-hour day there. And then we arrived and there was dirt bikes. And then we were told, oh, they'll be off in the hour, within the hour three hours later they were still on so we had to then improvise and shoot turn the whole day around and shoot everything that didn't have any dialogue which we just weren't ready for you know but it's just about thinking thinking on the spot yeah it's really hard i mean it's hard and not it's not i was going to say normal but i mean it's not really normal i was going to say it's hard even in like mainstream funded like tv and film to like you know you're having to deal with situations like that so it must be even harder when you don't have like the resources or the time and the people etc to do that so yeah it's even must be even more challenging and there's a there's a scene where the main character is patching herself up in the mirror basically and that day where we had to do the reshoot we're running out of time and stuff that was like it's all about sacrificing as well and we decided well i decided on the day let's sacrifice that scene because she is the only actor needed there's no dialogue in it so if we need to if we get a chance to come back and reshoot it a day we don't technically need the sound operator because we could adr it if need be we only need one actor back and things so it's about 
making the right choices on the day if you're going to sacrifice mm. stuff. It used to be called killing your babies. I don't know if that's still a good term. Yeah, anymore. definitely. Definitely. It's still, it well, it's still something writers use all the time. Do you want to quickly actually sort of say what the Defender is about as well? Just very quickly, just plug it a bit and will it be out soon and stuff? Yeah, so it's a vigilante film, basically. I say it's like Death Wish meets the girl with the dragon tattoo. You've seen it. You can be the judge of that, Jamie. <laughs> um, I've not but, seen either of those films, unfortunately, oh, so it's a really bad yeah, yeah. person to ask. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm anywhere near like David Fincher's level or anything like that. He is one of my favourite directors. But yeah, so basically she starts to hunt down these men, these abusers, and she ends up running into people that's tied to her past, like a childhood trauma. That's basically what I can say. Like, yeah, vigilante film. Mm-hmm. And currently just finished it and it's about to go on its festival run and we're just now sourcing distributors and talking to different distributors just now. So I'm hoping by the end of the year there's a gravestone in it and I basically worked back from where I thought the film would be released and had to work back to make sure the years all matched, if that makes sense. So obviously I wrote this in 2020. So I had to then go, right, how long is it going to take to film, edit, actually get released? Okay, that's the release date, then work back for the gravestone, if that makes sense. So I've gave myself to the end of 2023. I'd be fine if it's slightly 2024. But yeah, just asking what it's about. I was talking about how there's a wee bit of like fantastical about some of my films. This is very much a grounded film. Jamie, you've seen it. So you can, there's no any like superheroes or witches or monsters or anything. But what I did do was kind of took the formula of the superhero films and then grounded everything. So like Sarah's very much our hero in it and there is a villain in it but rather than the villain trying to take over the world it's a very grounded thing that the the villain is doing very grounded thing that the hero is trying to accomplish but even when you watch something like I don't know like Iron Man or something they usually get beaten halfway through then they get a change of costume to come back stronger so we've even got small little details like Mm. change of costume halfway through so we did follow this kind of formula to see if it can be put to the test with like a more drama grounded film yeah to the to the point even where you might have not noticed this because it's very subtle but sarah our main character her surname is summer and you only notice that because of a certain gravestone but the the villain is called winters so there's even like opposites there and just little things like that which was quite quite nice but yeah it's sort of almost at times a bit like over the top in terms of some of the in the fights and stuff in a way like almost yeah, like yeah. In, kick, in kick-ass like that's sort of like they're maybe not a proper superhero but you know yeah, it's totally. Kind of a, it's like scrapping yeah. almost and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that definitely all comes through. Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast, 
please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Speaking of film festivals as well, Gary, like you run a film festival, which is another amazing thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. So you t- tell us a bit about that. Yeah, the it's the HB Film Festival. It's in Paisley. It will be right about the 8th of October. I can't remember my dates. I really should have probably prepped for that. It will be plugged, um, will be plugged below, so people can just click away, I'm cool, sure. Cool, cool. Yeah, so it's this October. I think it's like the 7th, 8th and 9th or something like that. And the reason that was created was it was birthed out of this idea of the indie scene, the indie film scene needs more support. So let's say you make your short film for £50, right? And you've got this like amazing cinematography and you're nominated at one of these other festivals for best cinematography. Your film could end up being against a film that was made for like 10 grand for best cinematography. And I was just like trying to find an umbrella or a way to make it a bit more fair. So we are specifically looking for unfunded indie shorts or indie features to try and give them Mm. their own spotlight you know so and it's international so your little film that you made for like a hundred pound could be up against a film from like i don't know like sweden that was made for roughly the same level so you could get to see what other people are doing across the globe with their small bits of money and stuff like that and see how the indie scene's working elsewhere so it's kind of buffed out that idea of trying to just show some more more support for the the indie filmmaker as well. Yeah, no, that must be an amazing thing for you as a filmmaker to get to sort of be part of and champion as well and get people together like that. It's it's great. It can be annoying when I'm coming up with an idea because I need to watch roughly about 300 shorts a year. So it can be annoying when I'm coming up with an idea and then I click on one of these films and it's the exact same idea, but they've already made it. So I'm like, okay, let's rip those notes up and put it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Useful too, though, I imagine. Yeah, no, but it's, it's, it is great. There's not that many film festivals in Glasgow just now or Glasgow in the surrounding area there used to be a lot more so it's good that we're still going this is us going into our fifth year wow and yeah and I like it for the buzz as well like you know there's over 100 people to nearly 200 people in a room just watching films having a wee beer and just in just a really positive environment and to, it's really stressful running the festival throughout the year like you know deadlines and getting the right people to judge the right sponsors making sure it just works but every year I go never again but then when I see like everyone having a good time at the festival, I get a buzz and I'm like, okay, let's do it again. You know, because that yeah. again, that's also unfunded. So there's something really nice about this unfunded film festival supporting unfunded filmmakers. It's, it gives this kind of idea of we're all in it together until we all get recognised. Yeah, no, it's a lovely thing and it's so important, especially. I've noticed that documentary filmmaker that's quite well known and lives in Scotland, he did a tweet the other day about how, like, in the cost of living crisis, so many people have started their own local cinema clubs and well, where cinemas might be closing down, like the Film House in Edinburgh and things like that, there's, there has one of the lovely things about that 
is there seems to be a rise of like local independent art and things, which is always it's a good and a bad thing because we want art to be championed and funded. But yeah. it is a lovely thing about human humanity as well. So it is good to have things like this around, and um, it, and it could work for like yeah, we want like to champion all these independent artists, and maybe champion them isn't just about funding them. You know, like if you can showcase their work and promote that then the people with the money have got more chance of seeing it and then funding them in in the future so i think there's so many ways that you can support your local artists no matter what they do you know like you're talking about the fringe like free event like if you can like pack that out and then you decide Mm. to put on something against summer next year you can then like go to whoever's funding it and go well we did three four days like fully packed out like i can put bums in the seats you know so it's about this yeah different ways to to do that definitely it's all about you know it's always you know as well as the fun of it you can you can still use these things as like you know small building blocks for sure gary another question i have is how do you manage your time to do all this stuff and still live after it you're so busy you're always doing these things yeah so what what I tend to do is when I wake up every morning, I use the notes app on my phone and I write 10 things that I need to get done that day. And I, I don't always get it done. I'll put my hands up, but if like sometimes I get five done, sometimes I get 10, sometimes, <laughs> I, sometimes I, get, I go over it and get 15. But I think if you can write down 10 things to get done each day and if you achieve them, you can rest the rest of the day. That's how I do it. So, But it can be small things, it can be big things, and it doesn't all need to be creative things or like career things. So like doing the dishes or putting my washing away, giving the place a hoover, these can be added into it as well. So, but yeah, when I get up, I will like do stuff like, right, on the bus in the way and I will promote the festival. On my lunch break, I will do a bit of writing. On the bus in the way home, I will try and work through my personal emails. So that's like three things where I'm actually technically not really doing anything, you know, meet my sandwich or on mm. a bus. And then, as I said, it's about, you know, when you rest at night, you've still got that energy to do these other wee things. Like it could be, I don't know, I'm, I'm now thinking a bit like watch, like if I'm going to let the dog out, then if me and the dog go to the park, can I let the dog run about while I watch one of the festival short films on my phone and then send it to the right judge or whatever else. So it's kind of just about time management and not giving yourself too much of a hard time about it either. I think, yeah, you know, it's like... Very important. When you when you don't get everything done, it's like it's all right. Move it to the next day, or yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of how I do it. Is it's like rather than I think creating that ten list has done a lot for me. Yeah, that that's what it is. I would say just create a list, or if you think ten's too much and you're not getting ten things done a day, change it to seven. Like you know, and I'm not a very good at like I love reading books, but I just never do it. I don't have the time. But reading books will make me be. A better storyteller so even now even though that you could look at that as a leisure thing i'm like well i never get time to read so i'm going to put that down as one of my 10 things to do so like that's on my that's on my 10 tonight so i've left that because when i go to bed i'll get the book out and i can tick that off you know so mm. yeah and I, but are you good at having time to switch off because it's so difficult and like you know i love the trying to be efficient all the time i try I try to do i'm the same but do you, are you able to like switch off at all not as much as what i would like to to be quite honest mm. my partner gives me any trouble for it but i think you need to if, you, if you're not finding the time to switch off i think you need to look at some of these tasks that you're doing as as part of your leisure time so for instance, we went to Turkey and 
you know, you have your days where you go out and have adventures and things, but you have those days where you sit around the pool. So rather than take a book, I just took a notepad and pen and started working out ideas for like a new script. And whether I, whether it was ideas or like whether it was just actually writing down parts of the script or whatever, I was enjoying doing it. So therefore, mm. to me, that is leisure. If you're enjoying what you're doing, then you can look at it as leisure, you know. And then other things like if I'm going to put on a film, and let's say I'm writing something that's about, I don't know, vampires, then if I'm going to put on a film, I'll try and put on something with the same tones and themes so is that I'm still getting a wee bit of inspiration so is it when I do wake up the next day I've got energy to do things again and then like when I do the dishes I listen to a podcast for instance or if I, I don't know decide that I'm going to have a nice relaxing bath to chill I can like listen to a podcast or something so I try and find these little moments that mm. do it but I should I should rest a lot more that's that's true <laughs> yeah what, what about yourself sorry how do you chill how do you relax I'm the same as you Gary I think I'm not very good at it I feel I'm not good at it at all I do so much stuff like yeah. you know working full time in TV I love it it's great to love your job and enjoy what you do but it's, it's sometimes hard because you're always thinking about like yeah how can I solve this idea or you know even watching TV and films now isn't really a, I love it but it's not really like a leisure thing anymore because I'm always no. watching it going oh I can say that in that meeting or um oh that's really interesting we could maybe you know yeah. or always thinking about the market and listening to podcasts I'm always like even if it's one I love I'm like oh maybe I should ask a question like that or like you yeah. know having to it's it's hard but I get I'm like you I try to make it as efficient as possible so if I have like a spare 10 minutes of work can I just send a few emails or you know I'm, mm. I'm quite good for trying to give myself a weekend like my rule is I never record a podcast episode on the weekend unless I really you know it's someone I really want to have on and it, you know I try to keep to the week so yeah. usually I'm quite good with trying to give myself the weekend as much as I can yeah. but I think then I often I'll spend the weekend socializing and not resting because I, I'm quite extroverted. So again, yeah. it's I love that, but it's not particularly restful. So it is really difficult balance. I, I get really fidgety when I stop doing stuff as well. So we came back from Turkey, I think it was like the Sunday. So I took off the Monday and I swear by 11 a.m. on Monday morning, I was huffing and puffing because I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. But on, on the note of trying to rest a wee bit more, on a Sunday night to prep for the week ahead, I state that one of my 10 things is just to like you know prep for the week ahead so like it's almost getting ready for school it's like get my my bag ready get my what I'm going to wear out and be like chilling out by 8pm on a Sunday night so is that mm. I'm just getting a few hours before the chaos starts again so that is on my time list is to prep myself for the next week and that is like some leisure time yeah no it's, it's very important to to try and give yourself rest as a creative etc Gary I'm aware we've been speaking for an hour so I'm just slowly starting to wrap things up there's so That's much cool. still to ask you I think it's good to ask you sort of about Choose Film quickly as well because I know we touched on it but tell us yeah. about Choose Film obviously we'd mentioned it at the start it's been going for about nearly three years as well but what is Choose yeah. Film all about? So Choose Film actually started as kind of like this film club during Covid I feel really bad because the people that were in the film club, none of them have actually really been on the podcast. <laughs> um, but basically the idea was me and a few friends who are like filmmakers, we'd meet on a Tuesday night, we'd have picked a film off of Netflix to then come on and just have a few drinks and talk about the film. And we made it quite structured where everyone had to come with like three positive points that they enjoyed. So even if the film was terrible and we watched some terrible films, we had to find three positive things we liked because as filmmakers, we knew how yeah. hard it was to make a film. 
And from then, you know, the world started opening and we couldn't do the film club because people were going back to work and going back to their real jobs. And life. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I kind of want to keep this going. So I decided to turn it into a podcast where we'd get a guest on every week, which we still do. It's now bi-weekly. We get guests on and they pick the film. And the only thing we do is we pick the theme for a like maybe six, mm. seven films. So like we could pick the theme or what was the theme for yours again? Classic. Classics, yeah. Yeah, like classics. Okay, it's been so long. <laughs> so yeah, we'll pick like let's say it's monster movie. So like the guests could pick, mm. I don't know, Jaws or Godzilla. But even if we hate the film, we have to find three positive things we liked. And it's very informal. It's a nice chat. And yeah, we are just about to move on to female leading films. So that's the next that's the next season we're going on to as well. Yeah. How, how many seasons has there been in terms of theme now? There must be quite a few. I think we're around about the 10 maybe 10 seasons wow. we're, we're around about the 90 mark of episodes so yeah probably about 10 seasons of it yeah. it's exciting but, 100 episodes coming up soon eh? yeah so i think we're going to we're going to like look at the formula see if we want to change anything after the 100 mark so i think we'll do a big kind of fun i one for 100 and then we might take a wee break and then see what we want to do to see if we want to change anything yeah. up because again as you know like you don't want your podcast to become too repetitive for the listeners but also for yourself you know you want to keep it keep it going and changing and things like that it's really hard i mean i think what's lucky about an interview podcast is that there's a different guest every week so it does sort of stay it's, it makes it easier in a way because it's you can sort of it does feel different but it's hard yeah for, for sure like as we mentioned at the start just keeping there's such a saturated thing podcast and there's so many of them and if you're not a celebrity or you don't have loads of money behind you getting noticed yeah. in the charts is really difficult so it's hard to, to to build a consistent audience but it's lovely when people listen every week and message you and stuff it's like what that is a mental so i'm so grateful to anyone listening it's an amazing thing yeah I, I love it too and it's it's really nice when you just have that one person where like you know you like you go to something and then it's like oh i started listening to this i really like this episode and you can tell that they're energetic about it and they actually have been listening and it's maybe someone yeah. you didn't realize as well or you get that tweet from like i don't know somewhere like denmark it's listening to your the Scottish <laughs> voice you're like didn't expect that but okay thanks <laughs> I love it it's so funny the amount of countries that you just see in the list you're like what China like something what this is crazy but Gary I, I, obviously another thing I wanted to quit the issue was one of the subject choose film a very hard question I'm not going to ask what your favourite film is because that's a tough question to ask everyone but what's a film you find yourself always going back to okay so I actually do have a favourite film so I can give you that my favourite film is Silence of the Lambs um, there Hannibal Lecter character just in general just fascinates me. I think it's a really cool character. Even the TV show is great. But a film that I go back to a lot is probably An American Werewolf in London. That's a great film, by the way. It's so good. So I've, I've good. only seen it once, believe it or not, but it's so watchable. Yeah. Like, just good fun. Yeah, it's like got a wee bit of horror, a bit of comedy, the effects in it. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's I'm pretty sure it's like close to the 90-minute mark. That's which perfect is perfect time. Yeah. yeah, you know, you put that on at like, 10 o'clock at night you're still sleeping by midnight yeah that should be a theme for your podcast at some point 90 minute films because that's should, what I yeah. love it. yeah and it makes it easier for me <laughs> <laughs> there you go help all that time management we were just talking yeah. about no bo- both good answers thank you Gary just get a real job obviously the name of the podcast is just get a real job we know as we talked about work jobs that were maybe we didn't like or didn't want to to pay the bills etc what's the worst real job or part time job you've had to work in your life so far I'm going to go with something that's actually younger, if it's all right. And I did like GD Sports. I've done like the Odeon. The Odeon was really funny because I 
got that I finally got a job in a cinema. I was like, this is it. I'm going to see as many films as I can. And this was see the Escape at Renfrew. And I got the job there and it was still to open and there was a thunderstorm and the roof caved in. And I was like, are you kidding on? So I was supposedly I've I was never to work for a cinema chain. But even when I worked for like JD Sports and stuff, like I kind of liked it because you got to like go out with different people at the weekend. It was a big company, there were lots of faces. So there was real positive things about working there except for the wage. <laughs> but my worst job was a paper round. I oh, worked, yeah, like tough paper round because me and my friend, and I'm going to call him out, me and my friend Thomas, both got paper round jobs where the, the shop round the corner from us. We started right about the same week and Thomas was just terrible at getting out of his bed. And because she knew we were friends, I would go and do my paper around six in the morning and then I'd get back to the shop to hand back the bag and Thomas hadn't been in and she would make me do Thomas's paper round after it. Then I still had to go to school. So that was probably the worst my back was done in. But now looking back at it, I could have used that time to, you know, come up with ideas and stuff, you know. So I was looking at the positives. But yeah, I, I think I got like £15 per week for doing two lots of paper rounds. And the doors like that I was delivering to were nowhere near each other. You know, it was like deliver a paper and then on your bike for like 10 minutes to the next house. It was tough. My calf muscles really, really became yeah. huge on the bike. <laughs> I've not thought about this for so long, guide. I loved like a wee memory from a youth, but like I did a paper round in a way that was even worse because I didn't even get paid to do it for like my oh. own money. Like I was in the scouts and my dad was a scout leader, which, you know, I loved. I got great memories from doing it, but we would fundraise to go, to go for trips abroad yeah, or yeah. like trips places. And one of the fundraisers would be, because I'm from Fife, we delivered a paper called the Fife Leader. I don't even think it's a paper anymore. And we'd have to deliver it to, it was a free paper, so you just deliver it to every house. Yeah. So you'd go out, like, say, all day on a Saturday, and you'd have to do it in every house. And you get made to wear your scout uniform as well. So, you, you, But it was all, I never told anyone in school that I was, I tried to keep it secret yeah. because I was embarrassed. <laughs> and sometimes you would deliver it to someone's house, and it would be like somebody, a bully from school, and they'd see you, and you were like, oh, no. Oh, so you were like pure covert, trying to, like, just post yeah. this paper and go. But oh, Like was, um... stealthily through the letterbox, <laughs> trying to make no noise. Something oh, personal. man. I remember I was cycling on my paper round and the, it was a Sunday. So, you know, on a Sunday they put in the TV mags, mm. the flyers. Like I was like falling to the side with the weight. And I remember I fell off my bike and I was it was raining like proper windy near Christmas. And I was so angry that like there was just this like bin on a lamppost and I decided to punch the bin with anger. And this guy came out of his house and went, do you feel better now, son? I, do you feel better? And I was like, oh, I've been caught. And by the time I got back to the shop, he'd phoned up the shop and grasped me in for punching a bin. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> Not as if I vandalised anything, but... Oh man, uh, paper rounds are not something I want to go back to ever. Two more questions for you guys before before we can go, but they kind of tie into each other. But what are sort of three things you think somebody would need to have to be a filmmaker or a writer, or a director, etc.? So I guess as a director or writer, director, I would say one of the most important things is like pre-production planning, like get a good team in like pre-production and stay in pre-production for as long as you can until you're ready to move into production. Actually, until your team are ready to move into production, because what happens is everyone's so excited to start filming that you almost start the race too early, if that makes sense. So, you know, you just jump ahead, but the longer you plan, the better your final film will be. Uh, just to go back to the Defender, we were quite lucky because, funnily enough, we got knocked back for some funding and me and the producer were kind of annoyed at that point. 
and then COVID happened and we were all in lockdown. So we started going, let's redraft this, let's rework it. The story completely changed. I mean, the characters were completely different in this original story that we're telling. But what we did was we asked the team, like, see when lockdown lifts, do you just want to just go make this? And they said yes, but we were, now we had a team, but we're now all trapped. Mm. And it just meant we could spend all this time planning and pre-production. You know, we did like, a table read over Zoom. We started phoning people, looking at locations. We just started locking down so much. And then when the TV industry opened again, I was therefore allowed to rehearse. So I could start rehearsing, but we still couldn't really film because people couldn't get that close to each other. So it was, COVID was a mean and nasty thing, but it was a blessing for us with mm. this film. So that's that's one thing I would say. And teamwork, like you can't do it yourself. And also like why would you want to, you know, building a great team is like this magical feeling as well as being good for the project itself. You meet so many new people, like the team that you've got on, find new people, you gain these new friends, you know, when the world opened, we could go out for drinks and celebrate and everybody was just, it's just this happy feeling as well. And I would say like, never like bitch about anyone else because like, you don't know who you're going to work oh, yeah. with in the future, like just, you know, be really nice and, and positive as much as you can. A, a very essential one, may I just add, never, just don't be a dick, you know what I mean? Yeah, just don't be a dick. Or keep it to yourself at least. Yeah, I, I think that is it, keep it to yourself. If someone asks you what you think about someone, like, you can give an honest answer, but it, like, if you thought the work was good or not, or if they needed a wee bit of work here or there, but there's no, there's no point going, nah, they were a pain in the ass, mate. Like, because before you know it, the two could be on a paid production together and they know that you've started, like, you know, it's just it's just not worth it at all. Mm. And my last one would be, and I think this is across the whole creative industry and I guess life in general, but it's just to help others. Like, as I said at the start, the creative industry is, is a tough industry. So many doors are going to kind of get closed in your face uh, more doors will be closed than open so people are going to get down they're going to get depressed I'm this is really negative but it's not meant to be and people are going to want to quit just because you know they've had three knockbacks in one day but just help them if you can you know even if that means just meeting up for a coffee or speaking to them on the phone or maybe like you can read the script or watch the film give them mm. some notes even help them like network like you came along to that industry screening and you're like oh, i want to go to more stuff like this like if you came along i could introduce you um so just do what you can to help others i would say but don't drain yourself or you'll end up feeling the same as them so you need to like take some time out for yourself as well yeah i mean that's a really good thing to add i love giving my time to as many people as i can i mean even this podcast for example is meant to be a toolkit for you but the one thing with that is great to help people but you also need to remember that especially if we were saying how busy we are can't give too much of yourself either so it's that really hard balance yeah. of trying your best to reach out to people as much as possible but and I you feel awful it. when you say no to someone like you just like like someone sent me a message saying do you enjoy your horror and i was like yeah yeah I do. and then they're like i've got this horror script to do it collaborate and i was like you could be like the best person to collaborate with in the world i have no idea but i really just can't com commit to that or else i'm one i'm not going to do a good job but two i'm just going to end up ill because i'm taking on too much you know so yeah, and you also let people down further in the long run if you commit to stuff you can't do either so exactly, it all happens yeah. gary thank you so much for your time today i've got one more question for you which is just yeah. kind of similar but what's your closing advice be to anyone that wants to work in the creative industries in general don't do it if you want to be famous because there's plenty of other like jobs that you can find fame through but as as we said yeah there'll be more doors closing and open so i would say you've got to be like quite tough skinned and be willing to take the hits and and the knockbacks we spoke previously about the the writer strike and the actor strike in america just now and i read somewhere that 
the big companies, you know, that they're striking against are saying that they're not willing to pay them more because they're not taking risks. So what I would say, this, and I do totally believe this, is by coming into the creative industries, you are taking risks. They're lying, like by saying it, we're not. By taking this career path, you're taking a risk. You could have went and got that nine to five job in a bank, a hotel or whatever. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those jobs either. Nobody shoot me down. But you've taken a risk by pursuing this career that you think will like give you happiness or give you this creative outlook. So every time you decide to write a script or write a song or shoot that short film or whatever your creative outlet is, every time you do that, rather than sit and watch TV or scroll on Instagram or go out and be with friends, you're you're taking risks about this kind of work-life balance. So like that part-time job you take whilst you continue on your craft is a risk. When you give that to someone to read, it's a risk. So don't let anyone tell you that you're not good enough. Now, that being said, you might start off aiming to be a director or a singer or a photographer, and you decide it isn't for you after pursuing it for five years, and that's fine, but just don't let MDLs tell you you're not good enough. Yeah, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been, I mean, as I said, there's so much more we could ask you. It's been a pleasure having you on and you're a very positive person as well. And you're oh, a very hardworking person and that, you know, it's, it's great to see. Also, just want to quickly say, Gary's not feeling great this week. He's got a bit of a cold and that and chest infection. So thank you for being with us. You've done very well. Oh, you appreciate welcome. it. I just, sorry if I'm talking through my nose for most of it, but <laughs> that, that, I guess I'm running down. I've probably done too much. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's a first hand example. But Gary, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you. Oh, thank you it's been so good just to talk creative stuff so thanks cheers pleasure thank you that was episode 108 of just get a real job thank you again to gary for his time be sure to go and check out his podcast choose film there's links to gary's new film the defender in the show notes as well there's a trailer for that out now so be sure to give that a watch keep an eye out for when it might be being released etc reminder as well our live shows are next week and the week after so keep an eye out for them as always be sure to share us on social media follow or subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast leave a review all that sort of thing goes a long long way into helping this podcast be the best it can be yeah we're not going to be putting out a new episode next week i'm going to be starting a new job which i will talk about in a future episode and tuesday is also going to be the day of our first live show so it's just going to be quite a busy week so me and elliot are just going to give ourselves a wee week off to not overdo it and then the following tuesday we'll hopefully if all things go to plan uh, release the first episode of our live podcast that we're going to be doing so keep an eye out for that but we'll be back a week on tuesday and if you can't wait that long just come along and see us at the edinburgh fringe next tuesday at 8 15 in the south side of side lounge it's going to be great thank you for listening as always i hope you all have a lovely week and we'll be back again very soon just get a real job.